Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All roads lead to Gary, Indiana for the second annual Black Wall Street USA National Convention, October 21st through October 23rd at the Genesis Convention Center in downtown Gary, Indiana. Join us in our efforts to make Black Wall Street districts in the U.S. vital, clean, safe, and attractive business districts for employers, the community, and visitors. Listen to Black Wall Street USA Radio each Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our national website. Our theme this year is Make Me a World. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Join us today and touch the world.
want to welcome you to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, June 2nd, 2011. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and author of Black America, Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of the South Street Journal, will be joining us shortly. Chicago's Black Business Network member Boise Queen opened up the show show for us. We tried to get Sylvia to sing Pressure, but she just stopped right in the middle of that song, but that's okay. Boise is beautiful. He's a phenomenal pianist. We're always looking for new music from independent artists, so simply send us some original music in MP3 format, and we'll be happy to feature you right here on Black Wall Street USA. This evening, we will be joined by three members of the Black Wall Street Youth Committee and their committee facilitator, Ms. Felicia Miller. They are here to share uh, what does Black Wall Street mean to them and what are their goals for the committee as they move forth and become our future leaders of Black Wall Street and our nation. We want to thank our guests from last week. It was a great show. Our vice chair of Black Wall Street Chicago, Ms. Cheryl Kevin, joined us. Ms. Kelvin is also the chair of the Government Oversight Committee for Black Wall Street Chicago, and she's doing an excellent job in that capacity. And as a matter of fact, we've asked her to come back at least once a month, you know, as often as she can, so that she can give us an update on what's going on with that Government Oversight Committee and share her findings with us. Also with us last week was Mr. Kinsley Jones, author of Curing the Poverty Disease, I'm sure that the debate will continue on whether or not poverty is a disease, but Mr. Jones certainly believes that he has the cure. We want to be sure to invite him back also to continue that discussion. You can listen to that interview and all of our interviews in our archives right here at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and believe me, those two hours go fast. We want you to be here with us to be part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. You're welcome to leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That's how we connect. Press the number one if you would like to speak to our host, one of our guests, if you have a question or comment. Also, if you're in the chat room, you can leave a question or comment, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll ask it over the air. Want to let you know before we bring the chairman on, though, that the Black Wall Street Chicago will be hosting its 16th Black Wall Street Economic Summit on Saturday, July 9th, from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., at the Prince Hall Masonic Temple, located at 803 East 42nd Place in Chicago. If you haven't been over to the temple or hosting an event over there, you should go over and check it out. It's beautiful. Most of the time, people are driving down 43rd, 42nd, and Cottage Grove, and they keep saying, what is that building? What is that building? It's Prince Hall Masonic Temple. So come over and join us on July 9th, Saturday, from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m for the 16th Black Wall Street Summit. The reception leading up to the summit will be at the office of the South Street Journal at 449 East 35th Street on Friday, June 24th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Stay tuned for updates as the celebration gets closer. 
And here in Chicago, we had the first Memorial Day without rain in about 100 years. And I know everybody was stunned, weren't you? I know you were. But I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you had a great weekend out with your family and everything. Let's welcome the chairman of Black Wall Street to the air. Welcome to the show, Ron. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Sonia. How about you this evening? Again. I'm I'm doing good. Did you work Memorial Day? When was Memorial Day? Monday. You don't what happened to Monday? <laughs> it didn't what? rain on Memorial Day for the first no, time ever. It, it, oh, right, no, it didn't rain. Uh, yeah, I took it halfway easy. Uh, but halfway. I did have a conversation with our guest last week on Monday. Uh, Mr. Uh, Kinsley Jones. Uh, I think we talked Sunday. So we had some good follow-up from our last program last Thursday uh, with Mr. Jones. So um, there was a halfway working uh, Memorial Day, um, and uh, but I did enjoy it. You know, I took it nice and easy. I didn't uh, indulge that much, even though I know I should have. But you know, it goes that way. So what's going on with Black Wall Street, Chairman? Sonia, Sonia, yeah. why you ask such an in-depth question like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask just one question. Yes. What's going on with the parity issue? Sonia. <laughs> is that is that in depth too? Well, what 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 can I ask? <laughs> everything is so in depth. Uh, you but can know, we have an update? So because we haven't talked about that in a few shows. Uh, parity is our elected officials are trying to skip the agenda. Now you know, at our last summit, we had who uh, knew the elected alderman Will Burns. We had alderman. Um, what's his name, Uh, Brookings, Howard Brookings, who's now the chair of the Black Caucus. We also had, uh, there was another alderman present there. Who was this guy? Uh, Yes, Alderman Thomas, the lady that I ran against in Alderman. She was there. All three of them gave their commitment, uh, and it just so happens those that came to the summit is still there, but Alderman uh, Willie Co- uh, Cochran has stated that he's looking at taking the lead on the parity, and that means that when we go through our community, those people that are doing this sidewalk repair and doing all this construction, they're going to look like the people that look that, uh, that live in that neighborhood, whether they on the west side, south side, north side, far uh, northwest uh, with that $1.3 million that the Alderman get, we want that money to be spent on uh, projects that community people work on. So we're still on top of that. We did discuss that today at uh, today's uh, committee meeting where there will be a full blast uh, campaign uh, to make sure that those elected officials stay to their ground, that including the mayor-elect, Rahm Emanuel, who also support this parity legislation. So we know that it's going to be intense. We know that we're going to have a long battle with it, but we're up for it. Uh, so with that parity legislation, 
we are to uh, make sure that those jobs, when we see brothers in, in the neighborhood watching other folks doing all the work, well, uh, this parity legislation, when it comes to city contracts, is going to cease, that we want people to look like us doing that work in the community. That's been a long, long, drawn-out fight through years and years and years. Uh, but Black Wall Street is on that parity just as we are in establishing these uh, Black Wall Street districts throughout the city of Chicago. And some of our listeners know that we started off with one district on 75th Street, and now we're up to 17 Black Wall Street districts in the Chicagoland area. That's including Gary, Indiana, and Peoria, Illinois. So we're doing the research. We are working with the University of Chicago. We're working with Chicago Metropolitan Area Alliance. Uh, Bobby Rush, uh, Congressman Bobby Rush, wants uh, Black Wall Street to take the lead on uh, addressing the African trade. Uh, then we're moving on to having an investment group part of Black Wall Street in which we are uh, engaged in conversation with area investments to be a part of that. Uh, and then we're also focusing on what our show is about tonight, uh, the future. Uh, when Black Wall Street uh, first got started, we came across the Chicago Metropolitan Area Planning. And with that, we found out that they are planning the makeup of what Chicago is going to look like in the year 2040. And if we look at the year 2040, uh, as Mayor Daley signed this agreement, former Mayor Daley signed this agreement with uh, the, uh, the Skyway Bridge for 75 years, that means that he has secured the future for his children. So we're in a position now uh, looking at the year 2040 on how we're going to secure the base for our children as well as um, passing the torch on what we have done and what we need to, to be doing. And so one of the most important areas that we have finally came to grips with is our youth. And uh, I am very uh, excited, very enthused, very much uh, focused in the youth that have came and been, a, and been a part of Black Wall Street to actually make some business decisions and taking their rightful position and controlling the economics of their community. Uh, just kind of backtracking on one program we had maybe about, well, on May 19th, where we had that dialogue with Malcolm X. We had people in the room from 15 years old to 77 years old. And one thing that I got out of it was everyone said, what we need is another Malcolm X. And I asked that question twice. And I asked that question based on if that was just a minority thinking that we needed Malcolm X. And the people in the room responded by they are representing the interest and the desire for the, uh, for the community at large that we need a strong voice. So with that strong voice is Black Wall Street is to engage and work with our youth to fill that void of a voice. And we want to do it based on economics. 
and everything else that needs to go along with economics and running the uh, the businesses and the future of our community. So the with your question of what's going on is continuous to goes on. It is a tedious work that we have to do, but that tedious work is definitely a at a position that we got to fulfill. That's for sure. Absolutely. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, your co-host for this evening. And just one final remark on that parity issue, uh, Chairman. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail because I was talking to one of your uh, black contractors in the neighborhood. I called him about something else. What do you and, mean one uh, of my black contractors? What are you talking about, one of mine? Well, I, you mean a member I, of the Black Wall Street? Yes, sir. Well, the way you said it, anyway, go ahead. Well, anyway, <laughs> one of Black Wall Street's black contractors in the neighborhood. Sound better okay. to you, anyway. Thank you. We were talking about, you're so welcome. Don't start with me. Um, we were talking about something else. So the parity issue, uh, as going back to what you were referring to, uh, building a future for the youth is something that, needs to be put on the front burner. I'm sure that it is, and it needs to be stepped up, because in 20 years you'll still be talking about the parity issue. And i give mm-hmm. you an example, and you'll go into detail with him, because 20 years ago they were still talking about the parity issue. Mm-hmm. Now, he mentioned, uh, without getting details, because I didn't go into details with uh, the black contractor and the neighborhood member of Black Wall Street, uh, he mentioned that there's a, a black church building, a senior citizen building, and then there's no black contractors in that building working. So that's something that probably needs to be brought to the table and talked about. Otherwise, it's just repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, but we'll talk about that again and uh, maybe reach out to him and have another discussion about that. That was yesterday. Maybe. Maybe. And that may be Mr. Carter. Yeah, not maybe. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. I did advise him to contact you, but he probably hasn't yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that was yesterday. That was a conversation okay. yesterday. Okay. All right. And, but okay. I'm sure that he will. Now, uh, this evening, we have uh, Black Wall Street, the Black Wall Street Youth Committee with us. And they're on the line. They're anxious. They were early and waiting. They were here before the chairman was here. <laughs> the facilitator. Mm-hmm. The facilitator is here with us, Miss Felicia Millen. I want to bring her to the line. Welcome to the show, Felicia. How are you? Hi, Miss Sonia. How are you doing? I'm great tonight. Okay, very good. So how have you been since you've been getting involved in this Black Wall Street? I think that you have kind of stepped up to the plate when uh, I was running for alderman, and then one thing led to another, and now you are actually uh, spreading your wings even more. So what's happening? What has came about since you've been involved in all this process? Or is this just an ongoing of who Miss Felicia Miller is? Uh, Mr. Carter, it's, it's been wonderful. It's been a great experience. Um, I go through every emotion with this because the need, for change is so serious, so I just feel like I'm doing my part. Mm-hmm. So in, in doing 
point, so what are some of those, uh, what is this mission here that you're on when you're doing your part? Is there a particular mission that you're on or there's some particular uh, objectives of Felicia Miller that uh, have you involved in the, the activities that you are in? Um, just that I think that our people, as a people, we should be living better. We should have the same opportunities and opportunities that we pay our money and taxes that any other way should have. And I think that we all need to step up and step our game up, really, and take over and, and show the youth so they can have a better way and a better means than we have had in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, Felicia, we got a little muffling in your um, in your voice. I don't know if it's the position of your phone or where you may be located. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now much better. There you go. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so what are some of those activities? What are you doing? Um, I'm, I have a performing arts component uh, at on Monday. Uh, where we have it for youth and young adults where they come in and they showcase their talents at the safe haven where they can network. Okay, yeah, uh, excuse me, Felicia. Home. Felicia, you kind of just a little bit more again. I uh, think that when you hit it at first, you're, you're muffling just a little bit here. I said I have a performing arts component at Barnes for the artists, uh, for the young youth and the young adults, and that's on Monday nights where they can come and showcase their talents, network with um, other artists, producers, um, learn more about the business, and I use it as a safe haven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and also, yeah, go ahead. And we're also um, starting a, a, a youth movie game. And that's done at the Vet Center on 55th and King Drive, and that'll be on Sunday from 3 to 7 p.m. And the things that I'm involved with with Black Wall Street as well. Um, mm-hmm. I just do a lot of networking with the youth, and I meet a lot of uh, team organizers for the youth, and we're just getting together and coming together and making some things happen for the youth. Mm-hmm. So what ages are you working with? Um, all ages. Uh, right now, uh, the age base that we work with is, is com- that, that are coming to us now are 10 years old to 25. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, let me kind of, um, you know, we do have many stereotypes regarding the youth, uh, and uh, sometimes the there's those stereotypes run into fear. Uh, we all been youth. I've, I've been in many uh, activities as a youth today. But do you think there is a generation gap today uh, compared to when from, and I don't know if you can relate to this, is there a generation gap greater compared to the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now going into the year 2000? Is there a difference in a generation gap, or is really the same, just a different year? Um, I think in some ways there are a generation gap, but I, 
Um, I think there is because things have really changed from when we were younger and then when my parents were younger and my parents' parents were younger. Things are just okay. Uh, Felicia, my get that telephone. We got. I don't know if you got to bring it closer or take it a, uh, a little bit far from, but you're not totally clear. Yeah. Okay. I said that things are so different now from when we were younger and then when my parents were younger and then my parents' parents were younger. So I believe that there is a generation gap. And I think that um, the the adults and even the grandparents and things like that, they're thinking about when they were younger and things have changed so tremendously since then. So we have to try new things and come up Okay, so when we look at, uh, you know, we live in an age when uh, to be young and to be indifferent, and, you know, there's sometimes no, there is no difference. Uh, what's, uh, what is that we must prepare for the coming hour, uh, such as uh, is there any claims of the future that can rep- be represented by who we are now as a people and the youth, um, what is their prosperity for the future, uh, given that there is always a generation gap or today there is a greater generation gap? Or how do we close that? Or is that really the generation gap today? Is it any different than the generation gap of 20 years from now or 10 years from now? Do you really feel as though it's a greater gap? Or is it always have been and that's just the norm of society? Um, I believe it is a bigger generation gap because now it's more of a, a technology world. And the youth of today are more in the technology world. And a lot of people that are much older uh, can't even relate to all the technology that's going on with them today. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of that that kind of leaves a gap as well between the youth mm-hmm. and and the young adults. And just the way the world is changing just so quickly you know, on on a vast page. That, yeah, it is a bigger generation gap than it was from my era, to my mom's era. So, do you think that to where does that responsibility lie? Does it lie with the generation before to close that gap, or does it lie with the youth to try to change that gap? Or does the responsibility lie with one generation more than the other, or is it equal? Um, I believe that it depends on the generation before or even if there are generations before the generations before because every other race, they teach their, their youth. And I think that we need to get together and start doing the same thing to preserve our race and to preserve our legacy. Mm-hmm. So then when we look at other races, do you believe that, there is a generation gap greater among the African-American community than there is with the um, Asian community or the Greek community or the Polish community or the Arab community. 
do you think that generation gap is the same for every ethnic group, or do you think that gap is greater among the African-American community? I think that gap is greater among the African-American um, uh, community. Why is that? Why do you think is that? Um, because um, we're less likely to uh, teach our children um, of past ways, and a lot of that comes because we're so lost as, as a people. Um, I'm, we're what? I didn't hear that last part. Uh, the lack of respect that the youth have for the adults. Okay, so with that in mind, I mean, what do you think that contribute to that gap um, and among the African American community? Gravity, so does that rest on the generation before, or does that rest on the society or government? Or a combination um, of all? Generation before, uh, maybe a little bit on the government as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what I'd like to do is... Um, Bring on the uh, uh, the youth that we have been meeting with for the last couple of weeks. Uh, can we get a introduction of who we're with here today? Well, first, let's do this. You listen to the Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and I'm Sonia Purdue, co-host for this segment. Let's go to last four digits in Chicago nine two six one, and we'll let the first. Uh, member of the youth committee introduced themselves. Who's on the line? You're on the line with Black Wall Street USA. Hello. How you doing? This is Dewan Red. Dewan Red. Correct. Yes. How you doing, Thank brother? I hear you. Okay. How you are you? I'm good. I'm great. How you feeling? Over great. There? Okay. And okay, Sonia. How you want to? Hey, Miss Felicia. Okay, so where, um, how do you fit into what's going on here? Uh, I say I fit into what's going on, just going back off uh, what you all were talking about earlier on the parity issue and just getting our youth more involved by me being a, a, a youth myself. I can get the youth more involved in what's going on in the neighborhood, trying to get their minds set, their minds right. To, uh, to respect our elders more, to get, to get out there and showcase different talents they have, whether it's music, arts and crafts, no matter what it is, to try to get them folks on the right path. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you look at that as being a um, a task that is difficult or a task that's just got to be done or an easy process? I think it will be an easy process and also a task that has to be done. It's not going to be difficult, you know, even Mission Impossible was completed. Mm-hmm. So as uh, we was talking, uh, me and Felicia was talking earlier regarding a this generation gap. Do you think that is the case? In the case of what? That there is a generation gap. Uh, it's, it's yes and no. Yes and no. Okay, how's that? Because um, in the generation gap, you mean like going back towards I can't I can't speak on the 60s or the 70s because I wasn't born back then. 
And so I say yes because, like like she was saying earlier, they don't have respect for none of our elders, the people who fought for us, to have the rights that we have right now today when they should be sitting down and talking to the elders and asking them things about the history of Chicago, the history of our, our heritage, the history of our nation, point-blank period, saying how we are the centerpiece of everything that's going on right now today. Okay, then, uh, why do you think that uh, they don't? Because of the, the negative images that's out here right now. You know, they see the, mm-hmm. uh, the drug dealers with the big cars and the fancy clothes. That's what they're looking up to. They, they don't got enough positive people of their own of their own kind, like, let's say, their peers. They see their peers doing something positive and still dressing the way they dress, still dressing urbanly, dressing like them, but, you know, being more professional and more positive on what we're doing, then they, maybe they'll look up to us. They have too many negative images out here, pimps and drug dealers, and these videos not making it better. Mm-hmm. Okay, now uh, you have um, some more of your associates with you. Yes, I do. Okay, who else do we got uh, here with us? David Lindsay. Okay, uh, would you say say that again? I'm Dave Lindsay. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Okay, so as we are moving on with this uh, whole concept of the, the the Black Wall Street, how do when you first heard of it, what was your first interpretation? Well, actually, to be honest, when I first first heard of Black Wall Street, I had no idea of what it was about. But uh, as I found out more about it, I realized it was uh, focused a whole lot more on improving the black communities. I mean, that was something that I've been focused on for most of my life since I was about, i say, 11, 12 years old. And, I mean, uh, I would say a new concept would be a good thing to follow. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you heard of it, um, uh, did it strike any type of a chord? For example, there is a a record label called Black Wall Street, and there is also a video game called Black Wall Street. Was there any relationships to those entities as you heard about Black Wall Street Chicago? Uh, Like I said once before, I've never actually really heard of anything dealing with Black Wall Street. Okay. A few years ago. Oh, a few years ago? Yes. Okay, how how many, how uh, how long uh, a few years ago you're speaking of? say about uh, a couple of years about two. okay and so when you heard of it then are you are you speaking about uh black wall street chicago or are you speaking about uh tulsa oklahoma or another entity other than chicago uh, chicago oh okay so when you heard about it and you got introduced to it what was your thoughts uh, I felt like it might be something that I might want to get involved in, but I've never mm-hmm. really had the sources of getting involved in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, let me ask, who else is with you? Zeno. Nino, how, how are you doing, man? Good. Hi, Nino. <laughs> okay. So when you heard of Black Wall Street, what was your first impression? Like, uh, I had a lot going on through my mind. 
I was like change though. The main thing, the main word is change. Uh huh. Okay. When you think of change, in what manner are you speaking of? Community-wise, improving the community, like changing, like Obama changing the world, making a new change. So do you feel as though, or do any of you can answer this, is there a sense that there needs to be a change or among the youth or is things just the way they are? There was some, uh, and I don't know how true this is per se, but there was some, uh, I guess, some interpretations that there were some youth that felt as though wasn't no big deal if they did not make it to 25 years old. Is that a myth or a stereotype, or does that really relate to some? Uh, yeah. Wow. I, can anybody answer that? I can answer Yeah. I can answer that. I, uh, think, I think that that's a myth, and that's what I, I believe that they want our black youth to think that. But like they say, that the devil is a liar. Our youth are just as smart and just as resourceful as any other rest of the youth. And one thing about our youth, the things that they're not doing is because they don't know. But as soon as they're taught, we come time and time again, it's been proven that we overtake anything that we come in contact with. Well, let me ask this here, if I can, based on I understand that most of you weren't around during this time, but if any of you can address this, looking at the power of the youth during the 60s compared to the potential power now, is there any reflections of the black youth of the 60s power comparing to today? Well, I was... I, would say the I think that the, the youth that today need to have is just as much power and dignity about themselves and their community as the youth of the 60s did. Now, if the youth of today can capture what the youth of the 60s had, then it would be a great movement. Well, do you think that the youth of the day can relate to the power of the youth of the 60s, or is that just back then that don't relate to today. Was there any uh um... I believe I believe they can run but I, I believe mean well today... do they? Not if they can, but the question is, do they relate to the power of the sixties uh to want to seize that type of power? Is there any uh focus in that manner? Yes, I believe they can the difference between the youth of today and the youth of the 60s is the youth of the 60s knew that it needed to be a change and that things weren't right and that we have to step up and make these changes. The youth of today need to know that they need to step up and make these changes. And I think that they've kind of become accustomed to, uh, to this is the norm. And they need to know that this isn't the norm and they have to step up and and make changes themselves and for for the future and for the generation that is to come behind them. 
Now, when you look at, and uh, pardon me for using the 60s as an example based on I am one of those children uh, of those youth of the 60s, but given that today and even in America is the system is based on capitalism, and the 60s there was a, a tune of revolution as a change, and today it is based on capitalism, even if we look at the nature of the name Black Wall Street, it is based on capitalism. How can that trans, transcend into the youth of the day regarding the power that the youth had then, using that as a base of economic control? Is that something as they, the youth of today can do collectively to seize economic uh, uh, and capitalistic control? I don't know if I'm uh, clear. Are you or the, economic and capitalistic control of their own community? Is that a, uh, is that a captured thought of the youth today? It, it better be. It better be a survival. <laughs> Well, um, what about uh, some of you all? How do you all feel about that? Is there a uh, uh, is, is there talk among you to grab uh, economic control collectively opposed to individually? Yes, sir, I do believe so. But see, the situation is that you generalize us so much to the point where they believe that we have no potential to actually do something, but I actually have quite a few friends who together we actually plan out businesses, we come up with business plans, we come up with a lot of things. But see, a lot of people look at the youth today as basically being garbage, basically being disposable, the black youth specifically. But uh, I do believe that we can together pull the power together to uh, make something happen, financially, economically, and I mean, it can actually happen. Okay, well, what are some of those examples that can make that happen? I mean, uh, hardcore examples that you see that needs to happen as far as some steps uh, to move toward that. One example One example right now is uh, the talent showcase that Miss Felicia got going on every Monday. Everyone comes there together, nothing but youth, and we meet new people, greet new people. And everybody shows everybody the most appreciated love. There's no negativity in that building at all. It's nothing but love there. That's one example. Mm-hmm. Now I know when we when I first start uh, going there, I definitely heard and witnessed some great talent. I haven't been there in a while, but I understand that the um, the cursing and the vile language does not exist. Is that a fact? That's that, that is a fact. It's a known fact. So how did they actually adopt? I mean, isn't that part of the lyrics to to have those type of expressions? How was y'all able to get them to uh, uh, stop using a certain type of language? I mean, was that like, what the hell are you talking about? We showed them a positive side where they could express themselves without using that language. To be honest, mm-hmm. I ain't trying to sound arrogant or nothing, but I believe GMB had a lot to do with that. Once we started coming up there having them outstanding songs and performances without cursing, I'm talking about 
uh, inspirational songs, love songs, R&B songs, partying songs. We'll replace the word with something else or maybe replace it with a dance move or something. And once they start seeing us doing it, the reaction we're getting from the crowd, that's when a lot of people started following well, now, at the, 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 the few times I was there earlier, it was these two sisters uh, that came <laughs> at the end. And, uh, I mean, they was good. They were sounding great. <laughs> but, you know, when they came up there, I mean, like, whoa. Uh, you mean to say they have changed their wording as well? Uh, we haven't saw them lately. I think they were making rain trips. <laughs> they, they haven't come back. But those are two young girls. They're in high school. You know, they're doing their thing still, even with the foul language. They are getting the education and everything, and hopefully we'll see them back with Queen Lewis as well. Okay, so then... Regardless of, because, see, I know that um, a lot of, you know, I, I guess it's that stereotype in that uh, uh, that cover, because a lot of you uh, definitely have uh, college degrees. Yeah. And, but, you know, the idea of maybe the language. Even if they don't feel capable of getting, it's, it's a lot of them out here that don't have college degrees. But are very capable of having it. And you just need to put that inside your head that education is, it is important to have an education. Mm-hmm. So, what are we hoping to um, uh, to accomplish within a certain period of time with this? Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you all came up with the name of the Black Wall Street. Uh, youth and business movement or the Black Wall Street business and youth or the Black Wall Street uh, entrepreneur movement. So what is this being called? Have it been established yet? We got to narrow it down to a few of them. The one we lean towards right now is the Black Black Wall Street youth movement towards success. Okay. Uh, When is that going to be uh, confirmed? I ain't hear you. When is it going to be confirmed what it's going to be called? Uh, probably before we come back to the um, to the next meeting, about uh, Tuesday. Okay. So, what is hoped to be, or what is, or what are some of the objectives to be uh, to be met with this Black Wall Street uh, uh, youth business uh, venture? Um, I have a business plan, a business proposal. They need to learn about the different corporations there are, so they can choose which corporation they uh, which which corporation they'll choose to be. Um, they have to they have to choose between each other who's going to run the business, who's going to be in charge. And uh, who will have which students will have? Now, I know that in one meeting there was discussed that there would be a core of twenty youth part of this. Is that still the foundation of the core, or have you got to your core twenty, or is that core twenty? Is it going to be less than twenty? Or so what? How are you going to be organizing uh, these the, this Black Wall Street youth? 
Well, basically, the um, uh, is going to come up. It could be a poor point, but I don't think they all would um, share the same business idea. Okay, uh, uh, Felicia, kind of give it to me. Uh, pardon me. Felicia, say it again, but just kind of uh, your your voice is still a little muffled. But, uh, I said it would be a poor point, but I don't think that they all would share the same uh, business plan, so it would probably be uh, – different business plans, but uh, a 420, uh, that'll be a sufficient amount of numbers. Mm-hmm. So that it, it will be even more than 20 that will want to be involved in it. Okay. Now, uh, who haven't we uh, heard from? Ebony, she's been on the line. I don't know. Is she, is she on the line? Ebony, where you at? This is what we're going to do. You listen to Black Wall Street USA with Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. We do have another. Robert is on line number uh, 9833 in Chicago. We're going to bring him in, and if someone else is on, if Ebony is on there, we're going to bring her in also. Robert, <coughs> welcome to Black Wall Street USA. How are you this evening? Hi, I'm doing fine. What about you all? Okay, very doing good, great. Robert. So, uh, Robert, are you... You're part of this uh, Black Wall Street uh, youth and business uh, movement, or yes, sir. Okay, in what capacity? What, what's your focus? Um, as of now, my focus is really on you know the basic same thing you all have been talking about. I've been sitting back listening to you all. It's basically some of the same things you all was talking about, such as you know what I'm saying improving the black community, period, and things of that sort. And looking out, reaching out to the youth, because like um, like Red was saying, um, it's all about it's all about who who they looking up to and things of that sort. Like their their role models is not the right role models, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, well let me ask any of you guys. I'm sorry, Ron, but I I commend you guys for stepping up for your community as well as being your brother's speaker. Okay, well, let me ask this. If you had your, if you took how you would want it to be, and if anybody can answer this, within the next three months, if you had your way, what would you say that you would want to be in place regarding this uh, Black uh, Wall Street youth uh, business venture? Well, I say me. Uh, this is Robert. I say um, something like some type of business in place, you know, something that brings in income to still, you know, somewhere in the black community. Basically, like building some type of business in the black community. Period. Do you have a mind that business? Yes. Um, at the time we were thinking, we were came up with something that is like something like maintenance, you know, like a maintenance business such as landscaping and things of that sort, or just something as a storefront or something. They see us doing it. Anybody could do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know that at one point we was talking about uh, actually identifying a location uh, for that business. Uh, so if you, again, if you had your way, how many businesses would, uh, of youth would you like to be established within what amount of time I mean regardless of all the details but what's the vision that you will see how many youth will be in business uh, within what certain amount of time 
say within I'll say within about a year. By the end of the year, we should have at least 200 youth employees, at least. That's that's our goal, get their mind focused up on something positive, get them going doing other things, at least by the end. 200 youth employed by the end of uh, 20, uh, 2011? No, in a year, a year from today. Okay, uh, so, so you're looking at uh, this time next year that uh, the venture that you all are embarking on the goal could be to have 200 youth employed. Now, that's 200 youth employed. Could you give uh, an estimate of how many businesses would be in place by youth to employ 200? At least two. At least two? At least two. Pardon? I say 21. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. we thinking we thinking real big in a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Sonia, are we? Uh, how are we looking on timing? <laughs> you listen to Black Wall Street USA with Brian Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and we're going to go to our first caller. Uh, we have two callers who've been on the line quite a while, and we want to thank you for your patience. Let's go to area code seven seven three zero four one zero. You're on the line with Black Wall Street USA. Did you have a question or a comment? Hi, this is Ebony. How you doing, oh, Ebony? Oh, this is Ebony. Oh, hey, Ebony. okay. Hey, Ebony. Hey. Well, right. Ebony, my understanding is when we were in that meeting, you had a a lot of detailed business um, uh, smarts, if I may say, regarding the corporations, uh, the different types of corporations, the structure of business, and setting them up, and a lot of the legal formality of starting a business. With that uh, understanding that you have in business development, what would you would like to see be developed within a certain time period among this Black Wall Street uh, business venture? Well, I think that um, it's really the um, the sky is the limit when it comes to business development if we have the right resources. And I know one thing I would like to see is that, you know, we have um, – there's always negative stereotypes of youth, especially black youth and Latino youth in the media and even in our own communities. And we've just heard from several youth who are saying, hey, you know, don't listen to those stereotypes. You know, we're out here trying to do something positive and actually trying to bring employment to our neighborhoods. So what I would like to see is the established black business owners in the community get together to work with the younger folks. Because we, when we're doing these business ventures, we want our youth to be successful. We don't want to set them up for failure. And you can always learn from someone. And so my challenge is to all the existing black business owners out there who have existing businesses and even some of those who have retired to call us and work with us so that our youth can be successful just like they were successful when they started their own business. Now, you understand that there will be a black Wall Street uh, economic summit on July 9th, and yes. at that, and the the structure, the way Black Wall Street uh, operate, is having a resolution for direction and action. Now, what you propose? Do you think that 
you and the, the, the group here, the team here, would be able to structure a resolution to be presented to those businesses that will be in attendance and will be listening to the youth in what direction they need to take. So uh, you feel as though that a, you can put together a resolution to, to, to be presented to them? Yes. Yes, most definitely. Uh, we can do that. Okay. Now, there was some other conversation regarding some type of entrepreneur school or entrepreneur training. What's the logistics of that? What what, what does this consist of? I mean, I think that um, there's a lot of different random programs out there that uh, teach entrepreneurship skills, but none of them are in the black community. And I think that um, as we get the businesses up and running, that we need something existing in our community that can teach youth different entrepreneurship skills. Like we talked about, like, um, at our last meeting, you know, we talked about business plans and things of that nature. You know, there's, it's not, um, if you have the passion, you can do it, but there's a lot of stuff that you need to know. And so we need some kind of training entity in our own community to teach our young people, uh, you know, how to start businesses. Because, you know, years ago, you know, you didn't need a high school diploma to get a good job and, you know, support your family. But those days are long and gone. And the only way that the black community is going to survive is if we can be creative about coming up with solutions to employ our own people. Mm-hmm. Now, when when we look at the uh, objectives uh, of these uh, business ventures, um, how do you relate to actually um, there's twofold here? And if you are uh, up for it, there is the responsibility or the direction of you all actually starting businesses, and then there's the role of you all being leaders in engaging others to start business. Is that too much for you all? No. No, it's, I don't believe it's too much, and I think that everyone around the table agrees with me. Because on one hand, you know, we're going to be starting businesses and, um, you know, recruiting youth and getting things off the ground. But on the other hand, we have to be leaders in our communities because that's the problem with the black community, that there is a lack of leaders who are actually about improving the community. You know, we have leaders who stereotype us and leaders who tell us negative things and leaders who tell us that, we can't do anything or that we are nothing. And so we need, especially young leaders out here, to show our young people that there is another way, you know, that you can be successful, that you are smart, and that you can make a living doing something that can improve your community. And that's one thing that's missing in our community. And so I believe that in any venture we do, it has to be half and half. One half has to be making sure that the business is successful, and the other half has to make sure that there are people behind, uh, people to follow our example. And so we, everything we, everything we do, we want someone to be able to replicate that success because we want to be successful. Well, that is um, a, a high calling for you all to take on both roles because each uh, responsibility is just as heavy as the other running businesses and then engaging in this uh this movement to engage others in the business. So you, well, you all are ready for that task? 
Yes, because you know what? Um, this is a, this is something that I say every day. You know, we will be forever waiting for someone else to come into our community and start businesses and to educate us on how to start businesses when we can do it ourselves. And we we've, we've got to get away from that ideology of waiting for someone to do something for us. We have to do it for ourselves. And so we have to start our own businesses in our neighborhood, shop at our businesses in our neighborhood, you know, spend your cash at your black-owned business in your neighborhood, but then also educate the the next generation, you know, because, like I said, that's the only way we're going to pull our communities up out of this negativity that it exists in if we do things ourselves. And so we don't have a problem with, having a wing that starts businesses and having another wing that educates people because we're about everybody being successful. No one needs to be left behind in this venture. And I think that through the through these ventures of education and starting businesses that we'll actually start to see improvement in our communities instead of waiting for a Walmart or a Target or a Walgreens to come and bring jobs in our neighborhood, we will be bringing the jobs in our neighborhood. Well, you sound like me. Well, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's do this. Let's go to a break, and after the break, we want to come back on the other end. And also, I believe that the national uh, chairman of Black Wall Street will be joining us as well. But hold on, and uh, we're going to uh, go to a break. And Sonia? You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, co-host for this segment. Ryan Carter is the host. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, churches, church groups, auxiliaries, pastors, we want to hear from you. If you and your ministry have got what it takes to be contestants on the new Christian game show, just say the word. Here's what we want you to do. Check out www.masterstylemedia.com forward slash gospel TV. This is where you can find details and information about this hot new Christian game show that's going to help unite the body of Christ by seeing what you know about the word and challenging you to learn more. We're calling on everybody, ushers, the mother's board, deacons, Servants, we want to hear from you. Again, www.masterstylemedia.com forward slash gospel TV. If you and your church have got what it takes to be contestants on Just Say the Word, we want to hear from you. Come on and check us out. God bless.
people problem. That's you people. and me. It's so easy. But we could solve this confusion if we tried instead of shooting. Plus, there's no excuse when we have mouths that could use them for apologizing and acknowledging fault instead of falsely accusing, making threats, shouting, and verbally abusing. You see, we could blame race because it's easy and it's legal, but the one common denominator, people, is people. It's a people problem.
We're back, and you're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Ryan Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we want you to be with us to be part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. You may listen to a rebroadcast of this show at www.wjpcchicago.com every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 11. That's wjpcchicago.com. We have a few events coming up. In addition to the 16th Economic Summit on July the 9th, 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. at Prince Hall Masonic Temple, located at 803 East 42nd Place, the reception is also going to be held Friday, June 24th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street, the offices of the South Street Journal. Coming up on the next show, uh, June the 9th, which is next Thursday, it's going to be dedicated to our writers for Black Wall Street, but we want everyone to join us. If you got a book published, why don't you call in and tell us about, uh, tell about, tell us about your book and your experience in writing it. Al Wynn, Mr. Al Wynn, who is a board member of Black Wall Street, will be joining us. He's the author of A Pimp and a Hustler, a book written black man style, according to Mr. Wynn. And Dr. Dr. Webb Evans, Black Economics, he's going to join us. He was on a previous show, and that was a great show. So join us for that and call us and tell us about your book and your experience, how you market it, what's the response to it, June 16th. Ms. Barbara Baker of NCOBRA will be joining us. NCOBRA will be hosting the 22nd Annual National Conference, June 24th through the 26th. Never give up. Be prepared for reparations now. That's going to be at the 6th Grace Presbyterian Church, 600 East 35th Street. That's June 24th through the 26th. And uh, I'm trying to find a number so that you can call, Barbara. And they don't have a number on the flyer. Here it is, 312-720-0648, 312-720-0648. These my old eyes can't see. And they have a beautiful picture of Miss Margaret Burroughs right there on the front of their flyer. I love me some Margaret Burroughs. Now, also on Wednesday, June 22nd, uh, ETS Events and Chicago's Black Business Network will be hosting their second job fair at Fernwood United Methodist Church. That's 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at 157 South Wallace in Chicago. That's a job and resource fair, Fernwood United Methodist Church, 157 South Wallace, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Bring your resume and your best business presentation. I do hope to meet you there. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. This is Black Wall Street USA. And our emphasis, our eyes, and our hearts are right here on the youth of Black Wall Street. And we want you, if you are youth, you have an interest in being a part of the Black Wall Street Youth Committee, Ms. Felicia can give you the contact information. Ms. Felicia is the facilitator of the Black Wall Street Youth Committee. We're going to bring the chairman back on the air. Welcome to Black Wall Street. Ms. Miller, welcome to Black Wall Street. Robert, you're back, you're back on the air. Welcome to Black Wall Street. Okay, welcome Hello. you all. Yes. Hello. Good to be back. <laughs> well, uh, now, Robert, are you a performing artist as well? 
Uh, yes, I am. Okay, let me um, backtrack a little bit. Um, there was um, um, uh, Gil Scott Heron that uh, just passed uh, this past Friday. Is there any relationship or acknowledgement of uh, Gil Scott Heron compared to the uh, the performing arts uh, today? Uh, sorry, but I'm, I'm unaware of that. Um, like, I'm not so familiar with the name. Oh, no? Oh. How about you, Felicia? Are you familiar with Gil Scott? With Gil Scott Heron? You're right. I'm not familiar as well, Ron. You have to give us a, a, a quick history lesson. Ouch. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. Well, uh, I can say that Gil Scott was the poetic rapper during the uh, 70s and the 80s. He, uh, matter of fact, when South Street Journal uh, come out uh, within the next uh, day or two, there is a full page that is going to be uh, dedicated to uh, Gil Scott Heron. Um, he definitely was a rapper um, and also a poetic rapper. Um, and he came out with a cut that's called Message to the Messengers. And uh, and if you can, both of you, uh, just go online and uh Listen to and do a search for Gil Scott Heron, and and then also do a search for his lyrics, Message to the Messengers. Uh, many um, uh, rappers have, uh, I won't say many, based on uh, you all are not familiar with who he is, but he was the uh, the rapper of the. Um, he was matter of fact. I think that there was maybe another rapper before him. Uh, but right after him, are you all familiar with the last poets? I've heard of the last poets. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would um, I would advise that you do. Uh, do some research on uh, Gil Scott Heron and some of his uh, some of his lyrics. He definitely was on the edge, and I would say that he's on the edge as well, um, uh, even for today. Uh, he did um, died at 62 years old. He is he was born here in Chicago, um, and. To me, his in-depthness of his rap and his music and his lyrics are uh, pretty much very profound to today. And uh, it basically was more on a conscious movement. Uh, so uh, I would just advise that definitely do go online and do uh, some research on who Gil Scott uh, is and listen to some of his uh, his music. I think that it will influence many uh, of the rappers uh, today. Have been influenced by his uh, by his music, but he had more of a social consciousness. I heard that you all are gearing more to 
uh, love and social conscious in the lyrics uh, at your um, Monday night uh, program. Um, is that really the case, uh, uh, or what's going on Monday night? Hold on. Yeah. Okay, so when you're speaking, uh, so how does the audience relate to this social conscious versus the, uh, if I don't know if the right term now, the bling-bling rap? Is that still the case uh, of the bling-bling versus the social conscious? No, I wouldn't say that. I say it's more of, it's more of how your connection with them, and it's more of if they if they've been through the same thing you're rapping about, or if it's real, you know, if it's real and it's something that's real and not you know materialistic, then people people draw with it and, and things of that sort. As uh, for example, for example, I just say as if, but if I'm going through something and I put it in my song and I put it in my songs and it's real, someone else probably is going through the same thing to relate to it. That brings the vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. So with the uh, the the music of is it is it the the lyrics or the music that have the most profound uh, message or the profound uh, relating to what are most relating to the music or the lyrics or is it a combination? It's a combination. But I say overall, it's the lyrics. It's the lyrics, the, so the lyrics have a more profound interest than the music? Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that, I mean, even if I have to go back a, a little bit more, uh, you know, matter of fact, when I got my, when I was younger, I always said to myself, I'm never going to go and say in when I was young. I didn't want to use that term, but I am going to use that term now. There was a rapper uh, also by the name of uh, Curtis Mayfield. Have you all ever heard of him? Um, um, uh, His name sounds familiar, but I'm not really too familiar with him. Uh, Sonia, have you heard of Curtis Mayfield? (laughs) I absolutely (laughs) love some Curtis Mayfield. Yes, I do. Curtis Mayfield of the Impressions. Absolutely no Curtis Mayfield. He is the baddest thing going. Yes. You need to have an old folks uh, and young folks session with them so that you can play some of their music for them because they need to hear some of it. Yeah. Well, a lot of the music, the background music to the lyrics, are from (laughs) people like uh, Curtis Mayfield, Gil Scott, and uh, the rest of them. Uh, I guess the idea is, is later for the lyrics, y'all lyrics are more to how you relate to it today, but the the music is what kind of helped to complement the lyrics of the day. Is that the case? Yeah. Is, that's, is a that young, the, that's, a, that's a young person question. Is that the case, Robert? Uh, I'm sorry, I kind of missed the question. I know you're talking to me. Okay, so I hear a lot of the old school music with the lyrics of today. So what's the uh, connection there? Well, really, with the music music is going these days, really, to me, I say it's really a connection other than using 
there are topics and things like that, so I know it's kind of bad to say that. I know, but, I know. I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear you clearly, Robert. Say it again. I say, I know it's kind of bad to say it, but the way music sounds and music going these days, is no really no connection with that music other than them using a sample from their song. People like, like you never really learned the history of it. I know some of the history, but... You know what I'm saying? Like, other people, like, just say, like, all right, choose the sample from, from one of their songs or whatever. Make an instrumental or beat or whatever you want to call it with it. But you then you sell a beat or pass it on to the next person or whatever. They know nothing about the history of that person, but they get on that song. You see what I'm saying? So, to me, it's not really any connection. Mm-hmm. So, it's no connection, but you can still sometimes pick up the rhythm that... Uh-huh. They haven't got anything to do with the the history of it. It's just that rhythm that you still relate to to the lyrics at the day, and you just kind of uh, kind of sway that music a little bit, but you still can pick up the rhythm of the old school music. Is that the case? Uh huh. That's exactly the case. Okay. So as as we look at there still is not a gap in music, you know, even to the point that um, I have to say when I went to Africa and uh, and I've seen the brothers in Africa dancing. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I went to Africa, it was maybe about uh, 15 years ago. The dancing that I've seen in Africa is the dancing that I see today. Do the uh, the youth of today have any relationship that the dancing that they do today have a root to the dancing that is actually in Africa? Oh, no. Like, with the youth, like, the dancing they make, they just... It's like some of the dances relate to like to like the history of, of our people and things of that stuff. But most dances and stuff, people comes up with it themselves. It, it could be the craziest dance, the chicken noodle soup or whatever. It's, you know, it's not really, you know, they're they're not knowing where the dance is coming from or none of that. They just, you know, they, they find their roots on the songs or something and they come up with their own dances. That's how it goes these days. Yeah, but, you know, I guess what I'm kind of putting out there is that I still – uh, see that there was the, the dancing that they do in Africa, and what I noticed 15 years ago is the dancing that the youth pick up today. Is there any type of, uh, uh, or do the youth realize that there is a rhythm that they have that have a underlying connection to Africa? Or that's not a consciousness at all. I wouldn't say it's not a consciousness at all, but um, but I don't think I don't think they're really familiar with it. You know, like like all right, like for instance, I don't think it's just no connection at all with it because, like I say, people they just make up the dances. They're not knowing they're not knowing where the dances are coming from, like. If you dare, they know you should know if, where you got your rhythm from or whatever, but I don't think there's no connection at all. 
Okay, well, do the youth today realize that their rhythm is still connected to Africa? That's what I'm saying. No, they don't. Yeah, well, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to make a point of, of reference that it actually is. Uh, I mean, really, when I went to Africa, I seen the same rhythm there as it is today. And, again, I don't even think that the uh, the youth of Africa realize that they have the same rhythm that is in America, uh, just like the, the rhythm of Scottish people have the rhythm of Scottish people in America. So is there any African connection in general with the youth of today to their roots? I, I say, I say, like if, like if you never had the experience to see what the people of Africa dance like, anything of that sort, how would you know? You know. Uh huh. Okay. So then, would the youth of today be interested, or if they would not be interested, what do you think can help make that connection? Us, the youth. The youth follow the youth, whether you know it or not. And I say, like, if the youth see one person doing good, they're going to wonder what you're doing to get to that spot. You know, it's things of that sort. Like, okay, say if I if I, if I I didn't went to Africa, I had a little experience in Africa, I came back with some type of dance or rhythm from over there, then and someone see me doing it, they're going to wonder. And then if I speak on it, if I speak on it, most people might not look up, but most people might will. You never know, you know. Well, I was, uh, you know, being a newspaper, uh, man, we did a story, and we had a picture. And this picture was a picture in Africa, and it, it was a store. And this store was called the nigger store. And then, so the influence of the youth and the black youth in America still is having an influence of the youth in Africa. And the reason why they call it the nigger store is because they felt that that is the trend and the acceptability of the youth today. Uh, so I'm addressing that N-word here. Uh, do you think that those youth in Africa was legitimate in naming their store the N word? Oh wow! Oh well, it's it's all uh, it's all uh, how you take it, you know. Because some people some people use like after being called nigger for so long, some people just use the word. Some people use the word on a regular basis. They're called they're called their best friend. You know what I'm saying? They're calling their best friend the N word, and they're taking no offense to it. You know. So uh, still, is the that is that store in Africa? It was, it was a it was a hip hop uh, clothing store, and they called it the the in uh, the in store. Are they justified for giving their store that name? I won't say that, I won't say that, but I say well, I I don't really know, but it's like 
Yeah, it's a difference, uh, but is it? But it's more acceptable when your partner call it, call you that than anyone outside of your race call you that. Uh huh. Okay. So is that part of a? You know, I've heard someone said that the old school folks need to just get with it. Uh, we don't look at it the same way you all look at it. Is that the case? Um, oh no, because to me, I say the older the older generation take it a little more offensive than youth generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any? Um, do you think that the youth would take the time to? Ask the older generation, why are you so sensitive, or it doesn't matter that they are sensitive? Like with that, well, like with that being said, uh, I think all you should know more about the history and the history of that word, but at the same time, it takes someone to teach them that, you know? Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, where should we go? Now, naturally, the Black Wall Street is engaging youth in business, and that's our direction. That's one direction that we're going, uh, and we're taking it to the position that we want to not only establish businesses as an example, but also have business uh, among the youth. Is there any other example that the older generation have to do in order to close the gap? Or, for example, if um, if there's a uh, a group of uh, youth standing on the corner using a bunch of vile language when an elderly lady or any elderly person walk by. Would it be proper to say, watch your mouth among the elders? Yes, yes, it will be. But some some you some you ain't got their head on straight because they never had someone behind them to say it. Because the way I was brought up and the way I was taught, you, you don't use any type of profile language around any adult, regardless, regardless of the situation or anything. So then... Um, you know, again, being um, 58 years old, I do know that transition of how that happened or my perspective of how that happened. But is there any concern among the youth that uh, some type of subconscious of the blatant disrespect among elders? Yeah, I say I say it is. I say it's a real big subconscious. Because you could you could you could do something that's just like all right, if you go rob a store, you know in the back of your head you ain't supposed to do it. So you, it's always the subconscious. Just like if you see a elderly or you see an elderly person walking past and you using that bad language. Most of the time, nine out of times out of ten, it's gonna be somebody with a head on their shoulder and the crowd is gonna say, Watch your mouth or something of that sort or it's gonna be somebody just step up and you know, just and just let that person know. So is the responsibility, is it there is a sense of 
um, elderly. When I say elderly, I am speaking, I'm not even speaking about 70 years old. I'm speaking of maybe about 40 or 50 years old as well. Um, is there a, does, does, do you think that that age group need to stop in their tracks when they see youth out of line and approach them and talk to them or just go about their business and say that those youth are just out of their mind? Or do you think that they should have a responsibility to stop or would they be out of line to engage with the youth that are being disrespectful? No, they wouldn't be out of line at all. I think it always takes someone to say say something to someone to, you know what I'm saying, straighten them up a little bit. Like, if I was out there using that foul language and someone was to walk up on me and say something to me, I'll listen to what they're saying, whether it's right or wrong, you know. And then if I take heed to it and if I, or if I listen to it, you know what I'm saying, I catch on and I'm still learning whether you think I'm listening to you or not. So then, as we move forward, you know, with the uh, the whole issue of the Black Wall Street, um, is that a? Do you think that that is a catch of among the youth to say what is that, or is it just another term? It's just another term with the youth. Okay. Okay, uh, I mean, are, are you there, Felicia? Oh, I, I hear I think I hear her. Are, are you there? Yeah. Okay. So um, taking into consideration that the term, uh, as I asked Robert earlier, about the term uh, Black Wall Street, is it just another term, or if oh. it is just another term, what needs to be able to make it more of a meaning? Black Wall Street? Correct. Um, I think Black Wall Street is a perfect name for what uh for what's going on and and for the things that we're doing. We are um following Black Wall Street with Tulsa, Oklahoma of nineteen twenty one and we do want some of those things in today's world and in today's society as they were able to accomplish back then. So I think Black Wall Street is a perfect name. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how... Okay, what are you saying, Robert? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I misunderstood it, too. I thought you were saying as the term N-word, the N-word. That's what I'm saying. It's just another term. But on the name Black Wall Street, and, it, it, and it is catching the line. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Robert. What was that again? I didn't hear your last part. I say it is catching a lot of ears, and people are wondering what it is, and that's that's how I wonder what it was. And so, and then it so happened. I just so happened to, so just so happened to come around me. You know, with you and Miss Felicia around, and then that's when I started to learn more about it. But I always wondered what it was. I thought it was more of some music or something of that sort, so I never really, you know, looked more into it. But as I as I didn't network and things of that sort with Miss Felicia, I'm starting to learn more about it. So yeah, I said it's a great name. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to do? Uh, I mean, if we're going to have a greater impact, what is it that 
Black Wall Street need to do, knowing that we are engaging in the uh, entrepreneurship with youth, is there any other uh, direction that we would need to do to have it to be more of a profound name among youth? Um, we're doing more than just the entrepreneurship um, part, Ron. We're actually providing safe havens to youth in the communities. Uh, we're promoting higher education, whether it's uh, high school, whether the youth need to return to an alternative school, uh, even higher education such as college, whether it's a, a, a private college, a, a community college, or even an a institute. So. I think that Black Wall Street um, has taken great steps to ensure ensure the youth's uh, success in the future. And what I think that Black Wall Street needs to uh, just continue their support to the youth as they're doing. Okay. So then um, as these uh, activities are moving forward and then we still – uh, have this type of uh, gap, and you indicated that maybe the uh, seniors need to be able to be more engaged with youth that they don't even know. Is that a workable part that needs to take place just because you don't know I a particular did youth? I did it with a bunch of youth that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I step up. if I see them doing wrong things, I, t- I tell them about it. I ask them what's going on with them. I'm, I'm just concerned of what's going on because this is our next generation, and we have to make things better, and we have to get things right to ensure that we'll stick around and not be extinct as people. Mm-hmm. So then when we um, – uh Move on this uh, Black Wall Street agenda, and then you're working on the other initiatives, such as the uh, the, the Monday uh, night uh, open mic uh, or performing arts, and then you have the uh, program that you have going on with um, uh, on 55th at Miss Anita's uh, place. Uh, those are certain things that's happening. Now, what about this education uh, uh, phenomenon here? There is a um, reports that continue to go out indicating that black youth are not uh, something like in Chicago, um, uh, only 52% actually graduate from uh, high school. What is that all about? Um. It could be true, but have you visited the high schools lately? I'm I'm scared to send my children. Um, so I can imagine why there's only 52% um, are, are at a graduate level, and I could win those 52% because that helps them as they go to school every day. So I think that we first need to make our schools safe and then have equipment in the schools that the children go to so they can learn. They're going to a school and they're risking their life to be at a school that's not teaching them. And that's why there are so many at a dropout rate. So uh, what are you saying? Is that a uh, a miscalculation of such a high uh, dropout or is that the case or that's not the case? Um, 
I believe that that might be a high number, but it's the reason for that high number. It's just that these kids are not deciding. They're not waking up in the morning and deciding, hey, I'm not going to have education. I'm sure some are, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them have challenges going to school. A lot of youth, uh, Chicago youth, they get killed going and coming from school and in school. So I'm sorry, it's they like get... a war zone on the streets and a war zone in the schools for them. So with the, um, uh, I, I guess this, the Chicago public schools have had these uh, uh, adults now that are standing in in certain school areas with those uh, identification vests on. Does that make a difference? No, they should give those jobs to to the older youth. To watch over the youth, I think that will work even better. I don't think that the adults know because they they don't know what's going on. They're not in the schools. They don't know what to watch for. They're just outside as a present. Mm-hmm. So is the education is it being um, you know? Yes, there are many that do succeed and are succeeding. Uh, but the numbers kind of project that it's not in a greater number. Is there something that's going on in the schools that does not uh, capture the youth attention? Yes, a lot of things that are going on in the schools that don't don't catch their attention. Okay, and And is that uh, making it so that it's not being, uh, or is it resulting in the high uh, dropout? I believe that is the result of the high dropout rate, yes. Okay. So as we move forward with the uh, the whole notion of uh, the Black Wall Street uh, and we look forward to the summit that's coming up on uh, July uh, 9th, um, what type of uh, representation uh, can we expect from the uh, the Black Wall Street youth at this summit on uh, July 9th? Um, we can expect a, a, representation, a representation of them having pride in themselves and their community, um, pride in learning, uh, pride in, in just believing in, in a better future. Is there again? There are going to be some um, uh, some agenda items that's going to be presented, as well as some uh, resolutions uh, from the youth to, at the summit. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, uh, the youth will be presenting uh, some business plans uh, and some business proposals for businesses that. They actually came up with themselves. They did the research about the uh, business. They did the research on equipment, uh, the research on the corporations, everything. So they're going to be presenting everything that they learned in their business. They're going to have a, a, a business management class, which they're going to teach themselves and learn from themselves and each other. Mm-hmm. So then we can... Um um, 
Now, is there any other organization that you all know of that have a a a youth initiative that actually have a great impact um in the community? Not at all. No, Ron, and I've done a lot of grassroots foot walking out here, talking to other community organizations. Um, trying to get in contact, trying to get an understanding of what they're out here doing for the youth, and I, I haven't found many. No. And, and uh, the ones that the, I, I have. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, Robert, you uh, kind of feel the same way that there is none that has a. I mean, I'm hearing that there's a lot of youth initiatives out here, but are you saying that there? Activities are not as uh, impact as they should, or their impact is just not up to par. Well, there, it's not a big impact, and it's not many of them to even find. As a matter of fact, in our neighborhood, I see we're in Inglewood, and our neighborhood actually this thing that you and Miss Felicia has going for you is the actually the first thing I didn't heard in Inglewood in years. I'm talking about in the last five to ten years, other than other than park districts doing things, things like basketball teams and football teams. That's the only thing that they bring into our neighborhood, things of that sort. There's nothing to really, you know what I'm saying, build the future off of, nothing to really, you know, like, nothing to really, you know what I'm saying, build our future and, and educate the youth. It's all about more like entertainment. Well, one thing that I would like to uh, put upon you all is that, you know, as um, as Darrell, uh, the host of uh, Monday Nights, as he kind of engaged and started to go, I would like for you all to identify some youth writers and people uh, for South Street Journal newspaper. Uh, that we are able to have stories in the paper that um, talk exactly as you all know that those stories need to be talking to. Um, is that an initiative that you all can take on as well? I've been looking at that, Ron, because I think that that would be a very important part of the South Street Journal. And Sherell did such a wonderful job that I think that that should be continued. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, we are going to be coming out with the paper uh, in the next couple of days, and in doing so, we are going to be looking for stories uh, for and about youth, and we are also looking for people that actually can take on the uh, the role of running the newspaper. And, and, you know, upon you all knowing people that have that knack of writing, uh, publishing, or marketing, or sales, we definitely want to bring you all, you know, if you can identify those to help them to actually take over this this South Street Journal uh, go section and making sure that it is a representation of what it needs to be. Um, okay. So is that something like a goal that can happen? Uh, definitely, most definitely. Okay. 
So as we get uh, in of the show, is there any particular message or that you all would like to bring home, or a direction that you you know in your closing remarks that we need to actually uh, focus in on and what you all would be doing? Um, well, myself, I'm just going to keep on spreading the word. Uh, opening up safe havens, not only safe havens, but educational edu- educational programs as well for the youth. And I just want the youth to know that the world is theirs, and all they have to do is take it. And don't be afraid to learn, and don't be afraid to ask questions, and don't be afraid to be involved. And we all need to start showing each other respect for one another. And as a people, and let's just come up together, let's just, it has to be done, and we need to start this. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Robert? Uh, what uh, some closing remarks that you would like to uh, present, um, and where you think we should be going, and where you are going to be going? Well, I say I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and, and what that is is reaching out to the youth, youth of my sort, my peers, you know. And showing them it is something better out here there, you know what I'm saying, trying to stand on the corner and be like the next person, you know, the next person that they see doing things. And here's a way to do something better is to open up business and find to educate yourself, you know. Okay. Other than so, that. Okay. So, uh, Robert, you are going to be at the summit as well on um, uh, January the 9th? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. J- J- July 9th. I don't know why I keep jumping to January. On uh, July 9th, are you going to be at the summit as well? I was going to say, you can't leave me waiting for that long. Uh, yes, sir, I will. Okay. Uh, now, also, we are going to be having a reception on um, June 24th here at the uh, Black Wall Street, South Street Journal's office. And upon having this um, reception, uh, if you all can have some of your groups that would like to perform on that day, uh, we definitely look forward to that happening as well. Okay. Okay. So as we, we close out, I think, uh, Sonia, are you still there? I think yes, uh, I am, Oh, I read something on this uh, sheet that looked like you weren't. <laughs> but, okay, um, how are we looking? Yeah, this is the Black Wall Street USA, Chairman of Black Wall Street, Ron Carter. I want to thank uh, Ms. Felicia, the Youth Facilitator for Black Wall Street Youth Committee, for joining us. And, Robert, thank you for staying with us. Great job. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the – thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you at the summit on July 9th at uh, Prince Hall Masonic Temple, 803 East 42nd Place. That's Saturday. July 9th from 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. And uh, I'm Sonya Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and author of Black America Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions. Uh, great show, people. We appreciate you being here. Hope to see you soon. And, Ms. Felicia, we know that you're there Monday at Vines at 60, 6633 South Ashland. What time is that, 6 p.m. to 11 uh, 7 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., Ms. Sonia. 7 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., every Monday uh-huh. evening. Okay. I want to thank you for being with us. Hope to talk to you real soon. Robert, thank you for being with us. In closing, as usual, 
we want to um, remind you to come you, that you can listen to this rebroadcast on WJPC Chicago. And I'm just going to uh, sum it up just a little bit by playing one of my points from my book. Generations. It is the generation before this generation of madness that is mad, a legacy of insanity gifted to the children of the insane. No passing of discipline or traditions, but rites of guilt, pain, and plagues. A torch of sadness passes. It is the generation of sunshine that has left us sightless, as the children of the blind lead us toward the millennium of darkness. The generation of choice has left us no choices, as our world turns and we devour ourselves. We stare into the eyes of our children, a brilliant reflection of our image, and we blame them for what we see. In closing, persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. Let me repeat that. Persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. Do what you love. Do it with the one you love. Have a great life. And listen to CBBN on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday evening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.